favourite sort of PR week. PR week's regular weekly roundup of everything that matters in the world of PR and communications. My name's Steve Barrett. I'm the editor-in-chief of PR Week. Back with you after uh, two and a half weeks in Brazil at the World Cup. Fantastic time, and we'll come around to talking about that a bit later on the podcast. We've got loads to talk about this week, and uh, I'm joined by Frank Washcook, who's our uh, news editor. Frank, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Steve. How are you? I'm good, yeah. hope you're all not too disappointed about being knocked out of the World Cup. We had that two weeks ago in England, but uh, I think you did really well, so... We'll catch up on that. And Lindsay Stein, our uh, consumer reporter, senior reporter, fresh from another Tough Mudder-style run at the weekend, by the looks of it, uh, bruised, battered, but not unbowed. How are you, Lindsay? Doing great. Good. Mm-hmm. I'm an aunt. Yeah. Monday. Yeah, congratulations really to uh, your sister, yeah? Sister-in-law. Sister-in-law, yeah, your, yeah. your brother. So, um, great stuff, yeah, good news. Let's... Uh, um, okay, um, so what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about the World Cup. Uh, it's been dominating uh, everyone's thoughts over the last few weeks and days. And we'll talk about that and we'll talk about any branding and marketing issues around it. We'll talk about BlackBerry. They've kind of followed Walmart's uh, cue by setting up this website to push back on media coverage. Interesting issue. We'll uh, cover that. Our power list is out and uh, uh, gone down really well. Um, it's always an interesting uh, feature. This year we've done it slightly differently. We'll talk about that. And then we'll talk about Jamie Dimon at uh, JP Morgan. He's, um, he's announced that he's got cancer, unfortunately. So how's that uh, going to affect the company and the way it uh, does business and uh, its reputation? Okay, so let's get straight into the World Cup. Um, Frank. Yes, US. I mean, the it, World Cup fever seems to have taken over the country. I, I was in Brazil, and mm-hmm. there were so many Americans there. It was yeah. unbelievable. There were, and I think uh, they bought 150,000 plus tickets. There were, you know, everywhere you went, there were Americans. Not just at the American Games, but in Brazil, in Rio, at the fan zones, around at the other matches. I saw lots of Americans at the England Games, and just generally taking part, you know, in this sort of global celebration, sporting right. celebration, a true global thing. What's your take? You're a big sports fan. Uh, I am. I think. Americans kind of have a, an odd relationship with soccer in that we get very... Sorry, soccer? soccer I'm not soccer. familiar with the concept. Oh, it's you, you kick a little ball around. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah, it's, can, we, can we all agree that it's now football, or is that still us up for debate in, uh, in America? Well, you know, it's funny, interesting, in the, in the post-game interviews yesterday, I noticed that the American players both call it football and soccer sort of interchangeably, and I, I think kids do more often nowadays, too. Um, but... It's uh, it's an interesting thing in that every four years, I think the general population gets very fired up about soccer. Uh, but, you know, Major League Soccer has not quite taken off. The professional game in the U.S. hasn't quite taken off uh, as much as, you know, I think in some areas like the popularity of the Premier League or even the, the Spanish League in some cases. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Americans kind of have a unique take on soccer, but it's definitely a lot more popular than it was even four years ago. I think you could notice a very clear difference from four years ago. Yeah, do you think it's crossed the Rubicon, you know, is it, has it gone mainstream or is it just this thing that people get into every four years? I would say yes. Um, you know, there's a lot of growth room for it yet, but I think that it is definitely mainstream. I think the big hurdle in the U.S. is that you know, if you look at the National Football League or Major League Baseball or the NBA, uh, Americans are very used to seeing their leagues have the best players in the world. 
And, you know, even with Major League Baseball now, you know, getting a lot of Japan's top players to come over. Uh, well, Major League Soccer, that's, I don't know, what would you rank it if you had to rank it in maybe... Well, it's still got a long way to go, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, the difference there is that, really, baseball's not played in many other parts right. of the world, if any. I right, mean, and football's uh, not played anywhere. America. Yeah, exactly. And ice hockey is. Yeah. But so the main professional league's still in America, isn't it? And yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's difficult to compare like with like. Even basketball is not really a global sport, especially from the sort of commercial team point of view. The, there are leagues in Europe, but right. they're, they're very much second string leagues, aren't they? Well, basketball, and not to get too far off topic here, but basketball is an interesting case in that it's really popular in China, but not in Europe. You know, so totally different markets there. But um, yeah, I think it's uh, it's definitely much more popular than it was a couple of years ago. If you look at the numbers of kids participating in youth soccer leagues, it's pretty much through the roof now. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it definitely on the way up. Uh, yeah, it's fascinating stuff, Lindsay. A lot of brands got involved, especially yesterday, didn't they? You know, with uh, playing Belgium, and so talk, talk us through some of the things that were going on. Yeah, we, I mean, we've been covering it actually uh, for every U.S. game. Like, there, I can't even think of brands that haven't gotten involved. Before I do, did you see the um, Coca-Cola fan? Based thing in Rio, I know they had a big thing set up. I was wondering if you got to see it. Uh, well, was. was that a separate Coke fan zone? I mean, there was yeah. the main fan yeah. zone, and then there were key sponsors like Budweiser, which oh, interestingly yeah, yeah. is a, now a Belgian-owned company. Right. But uh, yeah. um, they had, talk a, about it. They had a, uh, a hotel there. I didn't really see the Coke. Okay, I said no one day. I think it was one day they were having a big event. So oh, okay, right. Because they sent pictures. But anyway, so yesterday in particular for the Belgium game. Um, so Waffle House, which is like predominantly a southern um, chain, which has waffles, they <laughs> they um, got so much buzz yesterday. Well, actually, starting on Monday, because they tweeted, "We don't believe in Belgium, Belgium waffles," even though they meant Belgian waffles. Um, but that got picked up by so many media outlets. TMZ was the first one to call them when I talked to Waffle House. Um, and it got retweeted and reposted, and pe- they were getting, having fun with it. People were tweeting, like, we're going to boycott waffles. Mm-hmm. Um, and then not only did they uh, start doing this, but then Coors got in on it. Coors wrote, um, how do you like them waffles? And they put a picture of the Coors can yesterday on waffles. Um, Coors beer. Mm-hmm, Coors um, like. Yeah, and Waffles and Dinges, which is, uh, I think, just New York City waffle truck. Yeah. yeah. They got in on the fun. Um, Bojangles, which is another kind of more southern chicken and biscuits chain said hashtag boycott Bel- Belgian waffles and they put like eat biscuits instead. Um, so everyone was getting in on the waffle craze. Um, but so it was sort of real time marketing It stuff. was great. Yeah, yeah. With, with Waffle House it was really interesting because I talked to Megan um, who's their social media manager and I was following her tweets and I was like so because she called me I was like so you work with agency on this or who's responding she's like me she's like I'm just the only one responding and I was like oh this goes really impressive because she'd write something funny or like snarky back to every single person who tweeted at her yesterday yeah it's really interesting in that you know so many big companies are putting so much money into this and you know Waffle House has you know one's very clever person yeah yeah and last week uh, during the Luis Suarez the Uruguayan striker when he was the, the biting incident there was some real time marketing around that and all of these seem to have gone pretty well they don't, yeah. none of them have fallen flat on their face have they and so you're saying you don't buy his explanation that he just sort of fell into the guy with his teeth out I don't know do you Frank no I don't <laughs> <laughs> the guy's done it three times now um, yeah. he actually did apologise eventually 
uh, to the, the other player, the Italian player, and of course that makes his manager and Uruguayan federation look really stupid because they turned back to him. He's, he's a, obviously a troubled individual, but uh, he, he also managed to beat England uh, almost single-handedly, so I'm not bitter at all about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the only one I could think of was the Delta Airlines one, which was like two weeks ago now. Um, where they tweeted the picture of the American Statue of Liberty and the Ghana, they put a giraffe to represent Ghana. Yeah, I have to say, I was. That was a faux pas, and then there was one with Mexico the other day, wasn't there? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so there were a couple of um, yeah. false steps. But I, I was pleasantly surprised. I was waiting for some company to make a really stupid, dumb, historical joke about during Germany? the Germany game, yeah. and no one really did. Yeah. And that was kind of, maybe there's people a... People did, because I saw some... People did, things. sure, but, but no prominent brands yeah, did. And so maybe there's a maturation process actually yeah. happening. Yeah, well this was interesting, you mentioned Budweiser, so it is owned, um, majority owned by Belgium, Brazilian actually, multinational, but... Budweiser's still brewed in the U.S. Um, in St. Louis, yeah. yeah. but what's interesting is, but Business Week put up an article yesterday saying, like, should U.S. fans boycott Budweiser? But the Mashable also put up an article, which I thought was funny, that said they thought that Budweiser was the most patriotic of all of the ads, because they really? had, like, eagles and cars and you know, everything America stands for, and army and all of that yeah. stuff. No, no brand quite wraps themselves in the American flag like Budweiser. Right, I they even had fans wearing flags in some of the pictures. Like. Yeah, these brands are all global now, aren't they? Yeah. You know, the car brands, even if they're a Japanese car maker, they're manufactured or assembled in the US or Europe or wherever they, they're selling them. So it's, it's a part of this global branding thing we've been talking about. Yeah, I think the whole World Cup really sums up that global but local phenomenon. And I, I just think it's fantastic that the US is engaging with it. It's great to see so many Americans in Rio, in Brazil, and in America getting into it. You know, there were fans, there were stadiums full of people in Chicago and places like that. Interesting, uh, yesterday we were talking about the, the size of the country that you were referring to, Frank, is both a, a good thing, but also potentially a problem, because to make the sport universally popular everywhere in the country is going to be very difficult, oh, but sure. there are certain pockets and when you looked at the, the, the cities, Facebook did an interesting analysis of where people were coming from, yeah. unsurprisingly New York, LA, Miami, Chicago, Houston, right. you know, these were the cities and they were even saying, um, the pundits last night, that if, if you just concentrate the US national team on those cities and try to develop players around those cities, you might even have more success because trying to make it a universal game is a really big uh, thing. And Seattle actually is a, is a big pocket. Well, it's, it's kind of interesting because if you look at the popularity of American professional soccer, it does very well on the West Coast. And I think a lot of the reason for that is that, um, you know, look, the big TV contract is with the, the English Premier League. So it's very, very early to get up and watch the matches on the West Coast. So it's a good, I don't know if it's fair to call it an alternative, but I think that's part of the reason why it's so much more popular. Yeah, that's true. I was getting up when I was over there last year. I was getting up at 4 a.m. to yeah. watch games. Um, 
I think MLS is going to be interesting. David Beckham's got a franchise uh, down in Miami that he's trying to set up. The New York Yankees have hooked up with uh, Manchester City, the uh, English champions, uh, Premiership, Premier League champions. They're doing a franchise. They've got Frank Lampard, the England and Chelsea player. They've got um, David Silva from Atletico Madrid. These are players who, are, yeah, they're they're not in the prime of their careers, but they're big names. So you know, maybe maybe things are going to develop. And, uh, It'll be really interesting to see how that, how the World Cup fever, you know, translates yeah. into sort of week, week to week uh, interest in football. I'm sad that it's over just because of the real time stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not over. There's still two weeks left, but the big fun part of the tournament when everyone's involved, yeah. the first two weeks, that was fantastic. It was brilliant to be there, and it was great to see America represented, just like all the other countries. You know, I was chatting to Iranians, Costa Ricans, Americans, Germans. All at the same game, you know, and uh, you just don't get that opportunity um, in in many other places. And it's great that America's part of that because it hasn't really been up to now. So I think, right. I think it's it's good. So who are you throwing your support behind when they went out? Well, it's difficult. Um, it's difficult because uh, I, I, you may know I'm a Manchester United supporter, and our, our new manager is Louis Van Gaal, who is the Holland coach. He's mm. going to take over at United after the tournament. So I guess I'm going to throw my hat into the Holland ring, uh, as they've also got our s striker Robin van Persie, and I, I love the way they play. And they've uh, they've never won the World Cup, and I think they deserve to win it and to win one. But I think it's my my tip is it's going to come down to the favourites, uh, Argentina and Brazil, and Holland and Germany, and any one of those four could win it. But that I'm not going to rule out a Belgium or a, even a Costa Rica sort of sneaking through, or France. You know they've, they've done really well. So it's, it's, there's a lot to still get excited about. But um, it was great to see the buzz around America, and I hope they stay. You know, last four years ago, I think the interest in the tournament carried on when America went out. So I hope that continues too. All right, so uh, Frank, let's talk a bit about BlackBerry because um, an interesting story while I was in Brazil was the way Walmart had sort of pushed back at the New York Times with this blog and um, you know trying to point out in what they were saying were inaccuracies or just sure. you know, pushing back. So, but BlackBerry's done a similar thing. BlackBerry has done a similar thing. We talked about the Walmart issue in depth last week, but BlackBerry has set up a blog to push back against what it sees as unfair reporting in the media about its products and about its company. Um, it, the major difference is that while it is using a very similar style to what Walmart did, it didn't kick off the blog by picking a big fight with a big media outlet or anything really headline grabbing like that, but it does look like they're moving in that same strategic direction as far as pushing back against media outlets. What I think is really interesting about this story is uh, Walmart has a certain brand cachet in that you, I mean, you, they're number one on the Fortune 500 list, they're the biggest retailer in the world. Uh, it's a Biggest company in the world. Yeah, it's, it's a gigantic company, a very powerful company. Uh, you know, the saying is the numbers don't lie. If you look at the market share of BlackBerry's products and how much it's gone down in the past five years or so since the iPhone really was introduced, um, you're talking about two very different companies employing the same strategy. And yeah. so it's going to be interesting to see how it works for one. And, you know, and also if Walmart continues to do this with other articles and how it works for the other. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting thing to do and slightly risky. Yeah. And it could have come over as slightly patronizing right. as well. 
but on the other hand, uh, you know, the media has a, a, a duty to research its uh, stories properly, as I'm always telling you guys, and get the facts right, and uh, you know, give uh, a potential right of reply. So, if Walmart feels that's not happening, then uh, that was an interesting way of responding. It was a, a great piece by Frank Shaw, Microsoft's Frank Shaw, um, which we published um, with his advice on it, and he just said, sometimes you've got to bite the bullet and just suck it up, and sometimes punch back, and he certainly does punch back, especially on social. Yeah. Um, so um, it's it's. I think it, this is going to be a developing story, and I think one that we should do uh, a lot more on. But um, and we will. Yeah, and interesting to see that BlackBerry's uh, doing that. All right. So let's talk about the power list. It's out uh, in our July issue, and it's on our website. We've done it a bit differently this year. We've got external contributors to write some of the profiles, uh, about twenty of them. So, for example, uh, Ford CEO Alan Mulally has written up Ray Day. We've got Margaret Wenmakers to write up her former business partner, Karen Marooney. Gary Vaynerchuk has done Bonin Beau, and Al Golin has done Fred Cook. Lord Chadlington has done Oscar Zhao, and Harris Diamond's done Andy Polanski. It's given it a real new uh, feel, I think, and it's uh, gone over very well, so we'd love to know what you think. But uh, And we put Martin Sorrell in at number one on the list. Um, what do you think of that, Frank? Is that uh, justified? I think it's a good choice. I think that if you look at the news events of the past year, um, and the Omnicom publicist failed merger, Sorrell emerged as the true winner uh, out of that, and he, you know, <laughs> definitely told everybody how right he was yeah, but about he that merger. Yeah, on day one, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did, and he deserves credit for that. And I think if you also look at how the agency-client relationships are structured among holding companies and among agencies with their clients now, as far as groups of firms working together across the different disciplines. Uh, you know, Sorrell's been a big architect of that, and he deserves credit for that as well. Yeah, and he also runs the largest PR group. They've sure. had their problems uh, over the last few years right. in terms of growth, but they're still the largest um, conglomerate of PR agencies at WPP, So, and they do seem to be turning it around a little bit. So yeah, that's why we put him number one. Um, it's, this is all about opinion, and uh, I'm sure there'll be people with other opinions, so let us know them. Let, you know. Send us an email, comment on the article, and we want to know what you think. And finally, uh, Frank, some, some sad news, really. Jamie Dimon at uh, JP Morgan has announced that he's got cancer. Um, and right. that, that announcement was made recently. And uh, obviously, uh, a regrettable thing. But also, you know, when someone as high profile as that and a CEO of a, a major corporation, he had to cancel some trips to right. Europe. So he has to come out and really say why he's cancel those trips. And yeah, I, I think they were smart to avoid speculation in this case. I think that if uh, after he canceled a trip that was supposed to include uh, visits with you know various foreign dignitaries and heads of state, heads of state and stuff like that, I mean there would have been a lot of buzz about why he was skipping this trip uh, and the market would have reacted uh, had they not come out and made an official announcement. Uh, I, and I should point out, this story is really in its opening stages. Um, this was just announced last night, and J.P. Morgan put out a memo last night to employees and shareholders and other VIPs, essentially explaining that Diamond has a very, what they believe is a very curable throat cancer, that he's undergoing treatment, he's going to cut back on work, uh, but they're not installing an interim CEO or anything like that. It's going to be business as usual, is their point of view. Yeah. Uh, I think they were smart to be as forthcoming as they were about it. Um, it seems like they got ahead of this. 
you know the announcement was was pretty thorough. Yeah, you know he's a key person. The CEO right. is a key person. It's a public company, so it's uh, and you have to be authentic and transparent these days. And uh, you know. Uh, we wish him well in his uh, recovery and uh, his fight against uh, that, that uh, horrible disease. Right. And um, also worth pointing out, he's both the chair. It's a unique position because he's both the chairman and the CEO. Yeah. So it's not like with him taking some time off, there's somebody else who naturally steps in, runs the day to day at the same level mm -hmm. that he would. So uh, it's an interesting case in that it way is. of looking at it yeah. too. All right, thanks, Lindsay. Thank you, Frank. Uh, it's good to be back. Good to uh, be chatting with you on the podcast again. Um, we've got our conference coming up in September. It's all about good business being better business. It's one of the biggest themes of the day. We've got a fantastic lineup of CEO speakers, great panels, lots of interactivity. So do check that out on the website. Hope you're continuing to enjoy, enjoy our global website and our global coverage as well as our local uh, coverage. And uh, we'll see you next time on the PR Week. <laughs>